Hello, hello. Welcome back to Leading Women in Tech. Today, we're going to dive into the fascinating world of team performance and discovering how some simple coaching approaches can really unlock the potential of your team. Whether you're a leader, a manager, a team member, this episode is going to provide you with some insights on how leveraging coaching can really elevate team performance. So, before we jump in, let me give you a little update on what's going on inside Lit Up Leadership Academy, where we have just wrapped up Executive Presence Month. We've been having some amazing conversations in our challenge this month. So we always have monthly challenges. You don't have to join them. There's so much that goes on in this program. But this month's challenge, or rather June's challenge, was Executive Presence. And oh, it's just been so much fun to talk about, whether it's dealing with ambiguity, how to deal with that with your team, whether it's thinking on your feet, whether it's like, what does it mean to have gravitas? It has been such a wonderful set of conversations I've been having. And I just want everybody to be having them. I think executive presence is one of those skills. I feel like it should be taught in school. <laughs> it isn't just for executives. It's a life skill. It's about how to have that awareness that communication skill, that ability to interact with your fellow human being. Because at the end of the day, the workplace requires you to interact with other people and just do that with ease such that you get what you need rather than hitting this brick wall. And that's really what it's all about. So that's been so much fun. And one thing I keep saying and really hit home this month is if I had to define executive presence in one simple phrase, it would be about being proactive rather than reactive. It is about being proactive with your emotions. It is about being proactive with how you spend your time. It's about being proactive and how you plan and attend meetings and what you do rather than reactive to everything that happens to you. Uh, I do think that underpins a lot of executive presence. So just love that. If you would like to catch up on that, then all the recordings are still there from our challenge, uh, even from the challenge questions I've been setting. So Anytime you join the Step Leadership Academy, you get access to that. So do come join us if you're interested. But let's jump straight on in to the power of coaching to unleash your team performance. Welcome to the Leading Women in Tech podcast, the show that celebrates women in technology leadership. I'm your host, Tony Collis, and this podcast is the result of my passion for building better tech by diversifying the leadership of the technology sector. Join me on this journey as I discuss all things leadership, what it takes to be innovative, breaking through the glass ceiling, be a great leader, and how to navigate the unique experiences we face as women in tech. So sit back, grab your headphones, and get ready to be inspired to become a better leader. To set the stage for this discussion, I first want you to understand why coaching is so powerful. Obviously, I would say this, I'm a coach. But research consistently over and over and over again shows that coaching, when applied effectively, and that's key here, can lead to improved communication, improved collaboration, and boosting team productivity. But that requires the leader or the coach, and I hope as a leader you are coaching, that requires you to have this coaching mindset. It requires you to enter some practical coaching approaches to tap into the strength of your team. That's how you get those outstanding results. But why is coaching so impactful? And also, why doesn't it work? So one of the reasons it doesn't work is when we coach in the wrong context. To coach, the person needs to be competent. This is really, really important. They need to be confident and competent. So they need to have the skills. If they don't have the skills, you need to be teaching and training them. 
if they don't have the confidence, there's mentoring. It's one of the reasons I do mentoring and coaching. Mentoring is really about helping them lift themselves up. It's about opening them up to new ideas and opportunities. Coaching says, I know you have the ability. Let's make sure you take action. It's a bit of a spectrum and I teach this. So it's kind of complicated to do just in a very short episode of the podcast, but it is really recognizing, no, this person is ready to be coached. They know their staff. This is about making sure they are working at their highest level. Their mindset's in the right place. They are answering their own questions. They're coming up with great questions rather than relying on me as the boss to do it for them. And one of the mistakes I see so many leaders make is not realizing that this person is ready to be coached. They still treat them as if I need to solve all their problems. So the person will bring a question to them and you immediately move into problem solving mode rather than going, well, actually, I think you know the answer. Let's talk about what you would do and coaching them through making that decision themselves and crucially as their boss, backing them, even if it's not the decision you would make. Again, this is one of the mistakes I see people who are leaders first and coaches second make. As a coach, it's easy for me. It's my full-time job to support these people. It's much easier for me to back them in their decision, right? And as I see them making a huge mistake, at which point I will say like, this is not a coaching moment, but here's my concerns with this approach. And I will flag that up. But it's much easier for me because I'm not in the business with them, right? As a leader, you're like, oh my God, that's not what I would do. You've got to decide, is this necessary for you to say? Do you need to step in and say, mm, are you sure we want to have that conversation? Are you sure that that's what we want to do? Because uh, because their approach is valid, even if it's not the way you would do it. Many, many approaches are valid. There is no one way to do things. You've just got to ask yourself, is this a bad way to do things? Is it really invalid or is it just, I wouldn't do it that way and it makes me uncomfortable? So that's one of the things to watch out for. Watch out for are you actually coaching them when they should be trained? Are you training when they should be coached? And are you dictating when actually they know how to do things? And with you continuing to tell them what to do, they're not stepping up to their full potential. One of the reasons why coaching is so effective is because it focuses on an empowerment. It is about saying to the individual, you are ready to do this rather than relying on this top-down directive, which is the history of corporate culture, we're seeing this shift in the last decade of using coaching to encourage team members to own their growth, their development, their decisions, give them autonomy, give them that engagement that they need, which gives them commitment to the team's goals. If everything comes down from above, they have less commitment. That's why it's so powerful at work. Additionally, when we coach, it creates this safe and supportive environment. It boosts psychological safety. Team members are more likely to come to you to explore their strengths and their challenges and aspirations. You provide that space for reflection, for self-discovery. It allows you as their manager to help uncover that untapped potential that you've got in front of you. It helps them find innovative solutions, which you won't come up with because they've got a different approach to you. They are unique. They've got their own set of experiences. And that means they will come up with different solutions than you would. That is beautiful. That's what we should be encouraging at work. It also encourages honest conversations. If you have a culture of coaching as part of your leadership style, you can have those more constructive feedback conversations, those uncomfortable conversations around, hey, we could do better here. It allows you to tell the team members areas for improvement without fear. And they don't fear judgment and reprisal, they listen. So it really creates a much healthier dynamic for constructive feedback to happen at work. 
if you have this culture of coaching. It provides space for reflection, for self-discovery, and it really enables the individual to uncover what they could be doing. So when team members are actively involved in their own development process, they become much more invested in their work, right? And part of coaching is getting them involved. It's saying, what do you want to do? How do you want to be? Who do you want to grow into? And what can we do professionally that's different? So you're on one hand talking about their opportunities for growth. And two, you're digging into that growth by challenging them, by coaching them to solve problems, to take on more at work, to improve their skills. You tap into their innate talents and you unlock a new level of potential. But this is really about allowing you the opportunity to step back and provide support and space for them to unlock their true potential and contribute more to your team's success as a result. Another key aspect of coaching is it hones in on the active listening skill and really, really effective communication. If you learn how to coach, if you do it really well, your team members are going to feel genuinely heard and understood. It's going to mean that they are less fearful. It's going to strengthen the connection with you and foster better collaboration. If you create this culture of coaching with your entire team, they're also going to collaborate much better with each other. They're going to see an example of what it looks like to actively listen, to effectively communicate. You're going to be a role model to them. You're going to use your coaching skills, even in the group dynamic, and make sure everybody gets heard. And others are going to see you coaching, hopefully, in the team, and therefore see, oh, that's how that works. So I still believe everybody should learn how to coach. Of course, I'd say that, (laughs) but I still think there's a real benefit to learning formally how to coach. It's really hard to just learn this through osmosis, but small little things can make a a big difference in the way we communicate at work and mean that your team gets that deeper understanding. It means that they're more able to identify potential barriers because they're listening better. And the things that just stop a team working well, this is why coaching is so good, just not for the individual, but team performance as well. Also, coaching provides this platform for recognizing and celebrating, right? And if you've been in any of my programs, you know, I will always ask all the time, what are we celebrating this week? What are we celebrating today? By acknowledging progress and milestones, coaching really reinforces this positive and encouraging environment. It says, look what you've done. One of my favorite things to do is to celebrate the hard stuff. So yes, we love to celebrate the big things like landing a job, getting a promotion, getting a pay rise, rolling out a big product whatever it is we're celebrating. But I actually really love it when my clients come to me to celebrate the hard. They, I did this thing that was so out of my comfort zone and it was okay. And I celebrate that for, oh my goodness me, I celebrate them and I celebrate them and I celebrate them because I want to reinforce that behavior. I want them to get a dopamine hit from taking that hard action that I know is what we need to do more of. I celebrate them for speaking up in a meeting in a way that they wouldn't have done previously. I celebrate them for taking uncomfortable action. I celebrate them for standing up to a boss who is not listening to them. I celebrate them for owning something that's hard at work. This gives them that dopamine hit that says, you can do this. Nothing bad happened. You can do it again. And that means that you get more of that positive action. So Use coaching as a tool to give recognition. That's going to boost the morale. It's going to motivate people. It's going to give that drive for even greater accomplishments, even when the action is hard and uncomfortable. So hopefully you now understand the value of coaching in the workplace, but I want to dive deeper into some fundamental coaching approaches. 
I'm going to give you some little tidbits just to get you started if you're interested in coaching. First of all, active listening and powerful questions. Effective coaching relies on active listening. And I say this as somebody who talks a lot, as you can tell, because I have a podcast. (laughs) I've always talked a lot. If you ever meet my family, they will tell you I talk a lot. (laughs) But that doesn't mean that I don't actively listen. And one of the things I had to learn at the beginning of my coaching was how to hold space for that active listening. Space where we fully engage with the person in front of us. We demonstrate empathy and we really understand their perspective. It's about being present in the moment and giving the undivided attention to the speaker in front of us. When we actively listen as a coach, not just as a leader, but as a coach, you can uncover such valuable insight. You're going to build trust. You're going to foster much deeper connections with your team. Alongside that active listening, you want powerful questions. Because Active listening is really about getting the information from the questions you're asking as much as it is listening to the unspoken stuff, the stuff that came up at the beginning. When we ask open-ended questions, we're encouraging people to think critically, explore possibilities, gain new perspectives. So part of our job as coaches and therefore as a leader is to ask really thought-provoking questions, not yes-no questions, the ones where they have to dig deep, they have to develop their own problem-solving to unlock an answer because that in turn is going to unlock the individual's potential. It should stimulate reflection. They should encourage deeper questioning. They should encourage deeper understanding. And by the way, challenging our limiting beliefs. That's a whole nother topic of conversation is our limiting beliefs, but it's really about helping people discover those new insights and possibilities that they might not have considered before. The second approach I want to cover today is around goal setting and accountability. Setting clear goals really gives a sense of accountability. It helps people perform better. And it's really a tool for us as coaches to make sure people have something that is allowing them to work within a framework. So as a coach, you might want to define SMART goals. Now, strictly speaking, this is not a coaching thing. What the SMART goal does is provide you and your person you're coaching with a framework to work around. So if you use a SMART goal, the specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, time-bound, and you help somebody create an action plan, you can then use that as a subject for coaching around. You say, so how are we getting on with this? What is holding you up? Even putting in place this SMART goal and plan might require some coaching in that if there's some resistance or they need some discovery in terms of what they might do or they're reluctant to commit to something, there's some coaching there. But then once you've got it, it's like, okay, so how are we getting on? How are we doing? Regular check-ins allow you as a coach to understand what obstacles are coming up that maybe they're not sharing with you, dig into the nitty gritty. It's just a thing to use in their journey to coach them through the trials and tribulations that they're gonna experience. The SMART goal itself is not the coaching. It's what that enables in terms of conversations that is really, really important. Just one more thing on this though, which is about accountability. A lot of coaches will tell you that their job is to provide accountability. And I kind of disagree here. My goal as a coach is to train and deliberately train here, right? Train the women I work with to have self-accountability. As a leader, I truly believe we need self-accountability. That doesn't mean you have to have it in every aspect of your life. I will get accountability from other people when I need it, including my team. I will say to them, I need you to hold me accountable on this because I'm struggling with it. But 
a lot of the time, what we need to do as leaders is hold ourselves accountable. I remember when I started my business, so many people said to me, oh my God, how are you going to make yourself get up and work every day? I'm like, well, why wouldn't I? (laughs) I like what I do. That's why I set up a business. I hold myself accountable every single day to work. I do this podcast every single week. Learning how to hold ourselves accountable is so incredibly important as a leader. And so what I would say with coaching and accountability is you can use it at the beginning as a tool. And I do this. I do this regularly. I will say to them, I'm going to hold you accountable for this. Is this okay? But my goal by the time I finish working with somebody, and ideally sooner than that, because self-accountability unlocks another level in terms of performance. But my goal really is to train the women I work with in self-accountability. So use accountability sensitively and in the short term. Ultimately, a high-performing team does not need a manager micromanaging them, which means your team needs to learn self-accountability. So let's now talk about the role of coaching and feedback and recognition. So as we know, feedback is the catalyst for growth and development. It should be a thing that's normalized. It should be part of the cycle of improvement, reinforcing positive behaviors, changing unhelpful behaviors. But part of our job in the coaching context is to create this culture of continuous improvement and learning within the team. So you want to give recognition. You want to give that as a powerful motivator. As I said, I'm always celebrating, always celebrating with my clients. You want to acknowledge hard work. You want to acknowledge achievements. I also celebrate failure. I truly believe that celebrating failure says, great, well done for trying something. Let's see how we failed. Let's see what we learned. Let's see what we need to do differently next time. So it's not just celebrating things that obviously boost morale. I think celebrating all milestones and the milestones might be negative ones because if you don't try something, you're not going to move forward. So it's really about creating this culture of recognition of the hard work, of the uncomfortable actions, irrespective of the outcome. Celebrate recovery from a setback as much as the setback itself and celebrate the positive only as much as you need to. This creates a positive environment and it encourages everybody to bring their best and also to be upfront about when things don't go to plan. Lastly, I just want to touch on growth mindset for a moment. I think coaching is incredible for enhancing team performance through growth mindset. So in case you don't know, growth mindset is the work first developed by Carol Dweck at Stanford that shows that having a belief that our skills and abilities can be developed rather than being fixed is the opportunity for us to do new and different things. So rather than your IQ is fixed, there is the opportunity for us to believe that if I dedicate time and effort, I can grow my abilities in this area. And part of our job as coaches is engaging this growth mindset in our team, telling them that you can embrace challenge, you can embrace failure, you can learn, you can keep going and you will become an expert. It is possible. Your abilities today are not set in stone. Fostering this growth mindset really makes teams more resilient, more adaptable and really open to innovation. It helps them embrace change. It helps them experiment with new ideas. It really helps them pursue excellence with a passion. So there's a lot here that you can incorporate straight away. If you start using these tools and techniques to influence your team dynamics, you're going to create this environment of trust, collaboration, continuous improvement. But as with any change initiative, you don't just start coaching. Incorporating coaching into team dynamics is going to encounter some challenge and roadblocks. And what I want to do now is talk about 
how to face them, how to adopt coaching approaches and strategies and providing insights to overcome them. The first challenge is to overcome that resistance to change. This can be a significant hurdle. It's natural for a team to be apprehensive about embracing something different. And if you start with, we're going to start coaching now, they might be like, oh gosh, what? <laughs> now, I will say to women that I teach to coach, in fact, men, I teach to coach too. I'm not exclusively teaching coaching to women. But when I teach coaching, I say to them, you need permission to coach. But then partly I'm teaching people to do this in a very specific context. I do teach people to coach in leadership as well, but I like to teach this formal framework of coaching, at which point you need permission to coach the person, right? It's very easy to feel the power of coaching, start just coaching people left, right, and center. I I fall into this trap all the time myself. Like, I will just start coaching my husband. He's like, you're coaching me. And I'm like, oh gosh, okay, do not coach your spouse unless you have permission. It doesn't go down well. Sometimes they just want to complain at you. They don't want you to coach them through it. But at the same time, if we just launch into, I'm just now going to coach you as a team, they'll be like, wait, what? what? What's going on here? Everything I've just said is stuff that is leadership skill in its own right anyway. So what I want you to do is start using some of these techniques gently. This is going to demonstrate to your team that you are just gently changing the way you're approaching leadership. Start with more active listening. Start with celebrating things more. That's going to just change the way your team operates and behaves. Then you can at some point just drop into the conversation that, oh, how's this working? Is it going well? I'm using some coaching techniques to help you here. And then you can explain how coaching can enhance their performance, their individual growth, and how they can make more of it because they're getting coaching from you. A lot of the time we think it's mentoring. I have people come to me and say, I want coaching. And I start and they're like, no, 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 that's not what I wanted. I want you to tell me what to do. I'm like, nah. well, that's not even really mentoring. That's teaching. Right. And I do teach. That is one of the things I do inside Lit Up Leadership Academy is we teach. We teach leadership skills. But then in terms of the implementation, we do mentoring, opening their eyes and giving them our experience. One of the reasons why all of my coaches are women in tech is because of the shared experience we all have. We can understand what it means to be a woman in tech. And then we coach where we really open their eyes to solving their own problems. And so part of what you want to do is point out the difference between these different things. If you just start with, I'm going to start coaching you, they'll be like, great, tell me what to do. Because I've seen this so many times. You want to encourage an open dialogue around how they are experiencing what you're bringing, how they're experiencing the support and the resources that you're bringing in to help really innovate in the in the team and make them a better and more purposeful and impactful team. Another challenge is how to do this in the long term. This is something that you are going to learn. Hopefully, it's just going to become embedded in your operating procedure. But I want you to integrate coaching into your team's culture and workflow. So this is going to require you to think about it regularly and often. You're going to want to do some continuous learning. You're going to want to provide resources. If you're training people to be coaches, they need continuous professional development, in my opinion. It's why to maintain a coaching certification with me, to maintain the certification, you need mentoring from me several times a year or another master coach who's qualified under my system. So that allows you to maintain that lens and that focus. Professional development, continuous professional development is the thing, right, that we all do. So there is something that you keep top of mind. It's why we do this with certifications, whether it's a, you know, Prince 2 or it's, you know, an HR qualification, whatever it is, most of these things you are required to recertify because if you don't keep your eye on the ball, you lose it. Another roadblock to be cautious of here is buy-in from team members. 
If you don't get their active participation, this is going to fall short, which is why I think it's really great to roll it out as gentle changes in just the way you work. Because then they're going to start seeing the benefit before you suddenly announce like, this is how I want this all to operate. This is coaching that we're doing here. How's it working for you? And then integrate it into the team's workflow. Because without that, they might be resistant. They might be thinking, wait, hold on. I don't understand why we're doing this. Why are we changing from what we've already done? You want your team to feel valued and included in this change process. And the best way to do that is to start changing a little bit in how you lead by introducing some small coaching elements. And then they're likely to see the benefit and embrace this. And then you can start putting it into the workflow of how you operate as a team. I shared a conversation just a few days ago with one of my one-on-one clients, my executive clients. She's like, how can I make better use of my one-on-one meetings? I'm like, well, for starters, you shouldn't be doing updates. This should be coaching. She's a C-level executive. So the people reporting into her are very, very competent. And she's like, they're like five minutes. I don't know if I have half an hour. And I'm like, well, any of them longer. Yes, the ones who have these big projects and where it's problems, I'm like, okay. The difference is the other ones don't feel that they can come to you with problems. And at the end of the day, they're good enough to solve most of the things on their own. What they need from you is coaching. It's about creating that expectation of that in your conversations. Another obstacle to be aware of is when people think they can coach, but they don't have the skill set. <laughs> so you might get somebody saying, oh, great, let's start coaching each other because you've decided to talk about coaching and they don't actually understand what it is. And they start teaching or mentoring or dealing with therapy. It can be very dangerous. It's why I think personally investing in coaching and training is an essential skill for a leader if you want to become an executive at some point. But actually, I think it's really good at any point in your career. I wish I had done this much earlier in my career. I actually think I would have got promoted earlier. So by equipping your leaders with coaching skills, even just equipping your team, even if they're in the ICs, with some understanding of coaching can really help them adopt this culture of coaching and really empower them to reach their full potential because they're going to understand when the coaching conversation comes in, how it works. I think that the women I train in coaching who while I also coach, become better coaches as a result of it. I actually have a dedicated group in Lit Up Leisure Academy for women who've been through my coach training because they get the experience of being coached and they make more of it. As I talked about before, I do a lot of self-coaching. That's because I know how to coach. So there are some things I can coach myself through. There's a lot that I've just gone through in this episode, a huge amount. And Really what I would like for you to consider is what it is that you want to be doing in terms of bringing this journey to your team. I want you to think about the commitment, the consistency, the belief in the power of coaching that you need to bring to yourself and then bring to the team if they're going to bring this into the culture to enhance team performance. If you're going to create this growth mindset in your team, what are the steps that you need to be taking? How do you need your team to adapt, to fit coaching as a technique into the way you operate. This is the mindset I want you to be working on. Rather than just focusing on, we need to be heads down and delivering, I want you to ask yourself, how can coaching become an integral part of our performance drive? If you found this episode helpful, inspiring, then I would love to hear from you. I would love to know if you're excited to bring coaching into your team. We've explored the benefits. We've even explored some fundamental techniques, some examples, some challenges to overcome. But remember, this is really about 
fostering great performance in your team and unlocking their full potential. So if you're interested in coaching, do let me know. Let me know what you found most interesting in this episode. This is the first of a series of episodes on using coaching in your leadership. So stay tuned. We're going to be covering more of this in the coming weeks in between our amazing interview episodes that I do every other week. All right. As always, stay in your tech leadership game. Follow your dreams because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech.